Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience Podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bashong. Well, the government has allowed us another CFAT program. The Coronavirus Food Assistance Program number two has been approved and is eligible for sign up currently as we speak, getting some things out of the way, just looking at dates. Sign up started September 21st and goes through December 11th. So, you know, farmers, a lot of farmers have already signed up for this program, which is going to be a lot of help. And I'm really happy that our administration and the USDA got this program put out again because there's, you know, the first round of CFAP was good. Some people were left out of that program and for various reasons. And it came down to when the calculations for price declines came through. So, it, you know, as an economist, I did the math and I looked at it. And I was like, well, I can see how they got there. But we did leave out a lot of producers. So we encompassed like for Oklahoma, we got cattle and wheat in. And that's one of our main things that we're really concerned with uh, when it comes to assistance, because that's tends to be most of our producers are involved in those two enterprises. So a lot of good things there. But Dana, what, what questions have you had when it comes to CFAP? Well, I can't say that this is kind of in my realm of expertise, but we have had some questions that I've heard from producers regarding what type of livestock um, this second round does include. And so, um, especially from the cattle side, and there is some definite lines there, if you can explain that. Yeah. And so when we get into livestock, there's been some argument about which CFAP was more complicated to sign up for. And I seem to be getting a grasp of this one pretty well, except for, as we talked before this, about <laughs> how many different commodities are included and which ones aren't. But when it comes down to, to Oklahoma, the three main payment categories if you will, that came through on CFAP2 are going to be cattle, sheep, and swine. And those payment rates are $55 for cattle, $27 for sheep, and $23 for swine. And those all include non-breeding animals. Okay. And so earlier on, we talked about goats being left out of that because that is, in my mind, that is one of the big four in my kind of category. So those are a specialty livestock sort yes. of category? Yep. They're they're included under specialty livestock and they're based on sales. So okay. 2019 sales. So you have to do a little more work when it comes to signing up for goats. You'll have to collect some of your sales data from 2019 and come through and there's different payment categories there. And and this is, is a pretty complicated uh pretty complicated sign-up process if you're in the specialty category. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage uh, producers to go to farmers.gov forward slash CFAP, that's C-F-A-P. And that way you can kind of get a lot of these details that we're going to leave out in this podcast because we could spend, uh, I don't know. Lots and lots of time. <laughs> we yeah, spent a about a time. half an hour beforehand yeah. talking about some of these things. So, And and a lot of commodities are eligible and we're going to just hit the major ones in this podcast. But I would encourage you if you're a producer of anything to go look because mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how many commodities are eligible. Okay. So um, we, I kind of skipped ahead to goats, Trent, but let's kind of step back to the, the cattle side. So non-breeding livestock. Yeah, that's been a hangup for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, they're very, they want very specific, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, you know, details on this. And we've come down to, 
you know, one, one of the terms I heard, if it hasn't bred anything or been or had a calf, you know, then yeah. it, then it is going to qualify. So you think about with cattle, you know, our breeding cows our our older cows in the herd that have had a calf are not eligible. Mm-hmm. Our replacement heifers that are currently bred, but have not had a calf yet are eligible. Okay. And then all of the calves are eligible. Mm-hmm. Breeding bulls are not eligible. Okay. Yes. So you got to think about, you know, the, the cows, the factories and the bulls are not eligible and yeah. then everything else is. So, um, I had this question come up the other day. What about some of those producers that haven't castrated bulls, but they're yearling bulls are going to the sale. Is that considered breeding livestock? And, and so what do you say to that? Yeah. Just because a male is intact doesn't mean he's a breeding bull. Okay. Uh, we have plenty of females that are left intact that are not necessarily breeding females. Absolutely. So, yes. so it's it's based on your intent. Uh, you know which bulls in your herd are for breeding and you leave those out. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're a producer that's leaving males intact for some reason, whether it's for for sales or whatever program you're in, if you're leaving those bulls intact, they do qualify. Okay. All right. That's that's. So my Gomer bull is going to be okay? I don't know what that is. That is... <laughs> <laughs> That's really a specific, Josh, but that is used for AI purposes, artificial insemination, Mm -hmm. detecting heat. And so um, it probably is qualified, but you're not really selling him. I don't know. That's kind of a... I would think <laughs> his intent is for breeding. So yes, his intent is for I breeding. Would, I wouldn't animal. qualify that. No, yeah. I didn't realize you had... Okay. Hypothetical situation. Thanks for making things more complicated. Crazy question. Okay. Um, We do have a lot of those questions come through. Yeah. There was a lot of questions on the OCA webinar Mm -hmm. the other day that that were good, but a lot of it goes back to that breeding, non-breeding livestock. But, you know, I think you explained it pretty good. And what's important also to remember is the dates that we're looking at here. So you're supposed to pick a date between April 16th and August 31st where you had... You know, it's whatever date you want to pick, but mm-hmm. I would encourage you to pick the one where you had the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's whatever, like I said, I leave it up to you what date you want to use. It's not cumulative over that period. It's on any particular day, which time did you have the most animals and you put that down. Mm-hmm. So April 16th to August 31st. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lots of dates floating around here. Yeah. There's a lot of dates. And if I misspeak, go to the website. Yeah, again. absolutely. I'll, I'll plug that. Go to farmers.gov forward slash CFAP and uh, make sure you get all the correct information because that's a really nice website that goes through everything. Okay, so Josh, you probably have some questions. I mean, I know you do. On I, I might have a couple. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm a little scared. Trent, Trent's <laughs> quivering over here. <laughs> like Trent said, they kind of opened the floodgates on what all they are accepting. Most of them are going to be kind of that flat rate. And that's what, because they didn't have that 5% decline in commodity. Either they didn't hit the 5% decline or they didn't have the data to calculate it. Yeah. So, yeah, it comes into both ways there. So most of our crops... Other than hay, are going to be eligible pretty much. There's a lot of crops that are eligible, and and you get into some issues there on what is eligible and what's not. And again, contact your local county office, your local FSA office, and and you'll get the the actual information. I'm giving you my interpretation as yeah. we talk, so so I, I feel like I'm pretty close. But you know, county by county, make sure you go and talk to your director and make sure they they're on board with what you're talking about putting on the sheet. Like I said, most crops, you know, small grains, barley, oats, rye, triticale, and wheat, canola, alfalfa is not considered a hay crop. It's included, right? Yes, that alfalfa will so be included. So alfalfa is the exception to the rule on the forage and uh, hay crops. But also some of the specialty crops, you got hemp, guar, sesame, 
sunflowers, uh, and then most of our major summer crops, corn, peanut, milo, soybeans, cotton, upland cotton to be specific, mm-hmm. I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, so kind of three different payment categories, uh, either that price trigger commodity price or the flat rate, like I said, we discussed, it's going to be at least $15 per acre on any of those acres, right? That's an important number for Oklahoma producers to to jot down is that $15 an acre number because a lot of producers aren't going to beat that. Yeah. So it's going to be the larger of your qualified acres multiplied by a nationwide crop marketing percentage multiplied by a crop specific payment multiplied by your producer's APH yeah. gives a number. Oh my gosh. And either that number is bigger than $15 an acre or it's not. So the minimum's 15. Yeah. <laughs> if you got good APH, you might get more than 15. Yeah. We talked about with wheat being somewhere above 38 yeah. uh, on your APH is going to trigger a payment greater than 15, which some of our producers will hit, but there's going to be a lot of acres that don't. So don't and miss. That's, that's probably going to be like we discussed wheat that's intended for grain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we might hit some of that 38 bushels on that wheat. I uh, looked at a few others, corn was only at 65 bushels. So mm-hmm. there's a chance you might get above that $15 on it. Soybean was at 48 bushels. Grain sorghum, 49, which might be pretty hard. Cotton, I think, was only about 400 pounds, 408 mm-hmm. pounds. So if you're getting over a bale of cotton, you're going to have more than $15 an acre. Yeah. But that's a safe number if you're trying to plan, expecting this money to come in. That $15 an acre is a pretty good one. There's two different qual- or two different categories of, of crops, and I'm not going to get worry about it too much about which crops are in each area, but there's price trigger, which is that calculation I was talking about. And then there's just plain flat rate. Yeah. And that flat rate encompasses alfalfa, canola, oats, sesame, kind of the major ones for Oklahoma and pretty much any other major crop is going to fall into that price trigger. So that's why they threw in that $15 minimum since they had flat rate commodities. They just put a, a blanket $15 minimum across the board. And then we get to some special stuff. Uh, some of our vegetable crops we do grow in Oklahoma. Those are going to be kind of specific and even Christmas trees. Yeah. So if there are some different commodities, categories as ag commodities, specialty crops, uh, where you just need to go in that office or go online, like you said, to see what kind of situation you might be looking into. Again, to me, that's the most complicated part of this sign up because when it comes to like livestock, you need to have accurate inventory numbers, which might be hard for some producers, but a lot of us have a general idea of how many animals we had. When it comes to commodities, you know, if we're talking about price trigger or flat rate commodities where you filed an acreage report with the FSA, all of that is automatically downloaded. You don't have to do a thing. They do all the APH and all that calculation on their own. So you just, you say you want to sign up and that information gets downloaded. So you don't really have to worry about that one too much. What gets complicated are the sales-based commodities. So like we're talking about specialty specialty livestock like goats. And then if you're in nursery or you're talking about those other crops, those those minor crops for Oklahoma anyway, you're going to be in that sales uh, category. So you're going to have to do a little more work. So when you talk about documented numbers, so what sort of documentation? I mean, I mean, I mean, I've heard oh, yeah. a lot of questions and I don't think that it's actually been answered. So maybe we'll have a discussion. I, you know, as far as documentation in general, what's good documentation? Bank reports? Yeah, there's I mean, no, there's, I haven't seen any document that's been signed off by anybody that really answers that question, okay. but we've heard a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. So I'll preface this with ask your FSA director <laughs> what, yes. what they recommend. 
on that note, uh, bank audits have worked in the past. Sales receipts from the auction are great if you can prove you own those livestock. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a date, April 16th through August 31st, when you had the most animals. You may have had one die since then, and you may not have documented that death. So we also talk about veterinary records. If you were doctoring an animal or something, you know, do your best, you Mm -hmm. know, do your best to tell the truth, do your best to have records. Uh, Breeding records tend to work. If you have calving records that you keep regularly, those tend to work. Sometimes it comes down to to the county committees and things like that about what, what comes through, but just talk to your FSA director about, about what you need to do. But, you know, a lot of us have those types of records. They can reference those for up to three years. So that's important to think about as well. This isn't a one and done thing. At three years from now, your name could come up in an audit and you have mm-hmm. to have to explain some of this and it's going to be hard to remember Yeah, I did. <laughs> when we get that far away. I did hear that was really, um, they strive to tell producers keep these records for three years because this is going to be a, kind of an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. And so important facts there. Yeah. So I, like I said, I, I hate to say anything I'm saying is 100% correct because there is some gray area here. So again, always always uh, consult the people who actually know with the FSA when it comes to these programs. So let's review some of those dates um, for the producers. So you said sign up was. Well, sign ups right now. It's already started. Ends December 11th. I would encourage you not to wait that long. And we talk about how there's often expansions for deadlines or they, they give us new deadlines Maybe not with this case. It has to do with funding availability, and that was special funding passed by Congress. So there's no guarantee that this money is going to be around past that final date. So don't mess around. Get it done. Uh, Go ahead and get that in there. And plus, a lot of the FSA offices are having special appointments, meeting Mm -hmm. outside the office. So getting that scheduled, the sooner the better. Yeah, I wouldn't just show up to your local FSA office, call first, and see what they want to do. Sometimes they can meet you in the parking lot. Some places, you know, Pandemic rules are different, you know, so just talk to them before you show up. Some A lot of stuff can be done by email now. So, you know, just whatever is more convenient for you. Uh, but definitely give them a call or, or email someone there and see what they give you uh, in terms of advice. That cattle date, we were talking about inventory for cattle. That's April 16th through August 31st. Okay. And when it comes to crops, that's 2019 sales data and it's 2020 harvested crops. So we planted wheat. In fall of 2019, mm-hmm. we harvested in 2020. So that's what they're looking at there. And then when it comes to our, you know, we filed acreage report for our spring planted crops this year and we're harvesting them now. Those are the crops that they're looking at from that side. And all that's automatically downloaded. So again, we don't have to worry about that too much. Okay. And you can, those are a lot of dates. This is a lot of details. You can go to farmers.gov slash CFAP to mm-hmm. find all the dates. Yeah. And there's a really handy calculator there that, if you're, especially for the livestock, it works best for the livestock. You can put in your inventory numbers and it'll spit out a, a payment rate. There is some issue with the automatic form download when it comes to uh, comes to the crops and and there's disclaimers on that tool that, that talk about that. So again, when, we, when we're trying to sign up, we're going to need to actually go through the FSA office if we have crops for sure, because they can download all that accurate information in, into your form. Well, we thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions on the CFAP2 sign-up, we encourage you to contact your local county office. And most of the educators have sit in on in-services for these uh, 
program. So they have a pretty good idea of what's going on. And we'll, we'll provide the links to some of these uh, tools and the website on the podcast page. So that way you guys can get the accurate data you need to fill out these forms. But we really appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.